Raising black children in the United States can be really scary. And as a black mother, I realized I was parenting from fear. And I wanted to make a commitment to parent for liberation. You are listening to the Parenting for Liberation podcast. I am your host, Trina Green-Brown. Each episode, I'm joined by other Black parents, and we discuss our journeys to push past our fears to raise our beautiful Black children to be whole, free, and liberated. Wake up, everybody, no more sleeping in bed. For this episode of Parenting for Liberation, we are actually being interviewed by another fellow podcaster, Yolanda Williams of Parenting Decolonized. When I think about Parent of Liberation's three-pronged approach of healing, unlearning, and community building, parenting decolonized is definitely rooted in this idea of us unlearning or decolonizing our own parenting so that we can raise liberated children. So I hope that something in this episode is really supportive to your own liberation and decolonization. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Parenting Decolonized podcast. I'm your host, Yolanda Williams, and I am joined by the lovely Trina Green-Brown, a fellow podcaster, mompreneur, and author of the book, Parenting for Liberation, A Guide to Raising Black Children. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I really am so excited to talk to you because, you know, when I first started my podcast and um, basically in this whole conscious parenting journey, yours was one of the few sort of Black conscious parenting, like decolonizing, like talking about all these things in one space. And I was so inspired by you and have honestly been like internet stalking you for, for a while now, girl. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you I so want to be like Trina. Oh Lord, you are already doing <laughs> incredible work. When I see your podcast, I'm like, yes, yes. I'm glad that there's multiple voices um, yes. who are speaking to this particular way that we can parent. And, and I really love the title of yours. So mine's is Parenting for Liberation and yours is Parenting Decolonized. So um, folks have started to ask me about like, well, how do you decolonize your parenting? I'm like, oh, you got to check out Parenting Decolonized. <laughs> that conversation too. But yeah, <laughs> definitely good to have uh, multiple voices. I think that we need all of us to be having these conversations. Yeah. So true. Uh, you know, it, it, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I do, I never see competition. I'm always like, yes, more, how many more of us can we get on this train? There's so many parenting coaches out there and I only seen a handful of, of black ones. Um, I'm waiting for the fellows to jump in. You know, some of the black men, I, I'm waiting for them to come in on this, on this conscious parenting decolonizing conversation as well, because the more, the merrier. Our people need it. Um, we need to change the narrative that kind of floats around about Black people and parenting. And that's why I'm so excited that you released this book. Um, yes. And y'all, um, you know, stay tuned to the end. We're going to be, I'm going to be talking about a giveaway I'm going to have with this book. But, you know, let's, let's get into it. Why did you decide to write this book? And can you just kind of give a synopsis about what the book is about? Yeah. Um, so the book is really informed by the podcast, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. The podcast was the um, first entry point for me to start having these conversations with other Black parents about what does it mean to raise liberated children or what does it mean to really shift our parenting. Um, and I interviewed all these parents, similar to what you're doing. I interviewed parents um, who I saw as liberated parents or I saw their children as super free and um, unapologetically Black. And I was like, oh, I love their kids' energy. I love their parenting relationship with their children. And so I wanted to interview them because I was like, I need to learn from you. How are you doing this? How are you raising these liberated free black babies? Um, and so from those interviews, 
I pulled them together, um, transcribed them, and then turned like took the stories from the interviews because each interview ended up having these like very clear strategies that parents were practicing, our very clear kind of techniques or approaches that people could try. And so I had started trying them in different ways or implying what I was learning to my own parenting. And so I took the interviews from the podcast, um, created them into stories, and then coupled the stories with um, liberated parenting strategy tools. And so the book is really that. It's listening to parents' stories about how they're raising liberated children, how they're trying it out in their homes, and then what are the tools or techniques or skills that we could learn and glean from those stories and practice. And so it's really not a book that you read and go put down. It's really a book that you can be um, in a relationship with. So you can be practicing and trying and reflecting um, each story is coupled again with those liberation strategies. And so I really wanted to invite folks in to practice with me um, because liberated pra- parenting is a journey yes. um, and I'm still on it. I'm still learning. And, and I wanted to invite folks to continue to learn with me. And so I really just wanted to highlight these parent stories and in, in the incredible ways that they're liberated and their parenting and share it with the world. I love this because I always am telling people I'm not, I'm still a student of this as well, you know, of all of it. And um, I enjoy having my podcast and then listening to other parents, like you said, speak about their journey. You know, we're all in, in, in these different places. And I feel like because we sound like authorities, people think we've made it. And it's just like, child, you have no idea what's going on in my house right now. Right. And some of the stuff that I have to work through, you know, I still have traumas I have to deal with and I have to work through and things I have to heal from. And I am by no means an expert. I am still, I'm in this right along with y'all. And, um, and I think it's so important that we recognize that, especially because this way of parenting is so much different than the way I grew up. And it sounds like from the way you grew up. So like when we have people who are, where do we get started? I'm just like, it has to start in your mind. Um, that's number one, but just even having the, the will, the want to do it is a great start. You know, I, I know, you know, people who are just like, well, I'm just going to continue to do what my parents did. We want our people to listen and not just like talk about just not spanking. It's so much more than that. So when you think about liberating parenting, what does that mean for you? It's really about shifting. Well, first I was going to say is that we have to liberate ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you were going to, I thought you were going to say like, what does it mean to be a liberated parent or something like that? And of it, before we can raise liberated children, I believe that we have to first liberate ourselves. And so that's why the book is broken down into these three sections. And the first section of the book is about self. Mm-hmm. So doing that self-healing, that inner work, um, reflecting on the ways that you were, or I was parented. Um, what of that do I want to continue on? Um, what of that what do I, do I want to let go because it didn't serve me? What of that do I need to heal from? Um, and so once I feel like I can be free to be myself, to be unapologetic about who I am as a Black woman, um, once I can love myself, then I, I'm more adequately um, prepared to love my children and to support my children to be free. Um, if I am also, if I'm mentally, emotionally, spiritually bound, then it's hard to raise my children to be free because I'm bound, right? And so yes. a lot of this, a lot of the liberated parenting work, a lot of folks think it's like, I'm trying to tell people how to parent. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm really not because like, I, like you said, it's a journey. What I'm really inviting folks into is to reflect on their own journey and their own childhood, their own, pa- the own, their way that they were parented and what is the healing work that they need to do so that they can show up for their children. And then, then they can make choices about 
I want to do it differently for my child. But it takes that first step of reflecting on well, how was I parented and what did I learn and what if that served me and what if that didn't and what do I not want to kind of continue to harm you know, generation after generation, what are the changes I want to make? It's so interesting you say that about um, people are think you're trying to tell them how to raise their kids. And it's like, this is, I always tell folks, conscious parenting is about the parent. And so when we really fully understand, like you said, how really getting into our traumas from childhood, if we have any, um, our mindset, our moods, all of that, understanding that all that can reflect onto our children. We tend to project those things to our children if we're not careful. That's what I'm telling folks that they have to be aware of. How you choose to parent does matter to me. And that's because my daughter has to interact with this world with your child in it. So if you're raising your child on survival and violence and they grow up in that environment, my child has to interact with your child in this environment. And it's dangerous for my child now. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... It, it's you think it's personal it's not and, and that that idea of ownership over our children has to you have to let that go they don't belong to us and so we have to look at it more to me as a, as a community as, aspect the way I choose to parent reflects on the community because she's going to be in the community and so once we start really like understanding that we're all in this together like that to me that's where that village mentality comes comes into play and we start thinking about the ways that we need to change within ourselves in order for our community to be better then you look at okay so then I have to make some changes with the way I parent you know it doesn't make sense to continue to do the things that are harmful for our community um, and then go home and and think that doesn't reflect onto our children it's just not the case so I, I love that you're I guess in this book, really challenging parents to look within themselves and to do the hard work because that mess is not easy. No, it's not. Um, Not at all. It's not easy, um, but I think it's definitely doable. You know, Um, I think you talked about Will. Um, The third section of the book actually is definitely connected to what you just shared is um, reconnection to community or connecting to community and really thinking about um, if I'm raising a liberated child in my home and I'm, you know, practicing this new way of being with my children that my children still have to be out in the world. Like you're saying, right? Like mm-hmm. I can raise a liberated black boy or a liberated black girl and they go into a world that does not see them. Right. I can create these bright shining lights. Um, and then the world will want to dim that light. So then right. what is the work that I need to do in community um, to make sure that, that my children can be whole, can be free, can be liberated in multiple spaces. Right. So what is the work I need to do um, with my extended family? What's the work I need to do in the school community? What's the work I need to do in the faith community? What's the work work I need to do in the movement community? And so that last section of the of the book is really focused on, um, you know, how do we build liberated parenting communities? How do we make this a part of um, our community's ways of being, right? And mm-hmm. um, and that feels really important. It, and you know, I, I feel like it's a both and it reflects on our, it impacts our children, but also how our children show up in the community is informed by the way that we parent them. So it's like, it's not linear, like either like one way in or one way out. However, um, they reflect upon each other. So we need the community um, to be on board with this liberated parenting or liberated way of being and raise, having liberated children, liberated families, really liberated adults. You know, it's hard for an, an adult in bondage to raise a liberated child um, and it's hard for a child who wants to be liberated to be parented by someone. You know, it it, it takes all of us to be liberated. Come on, Trina, come on. 
I'm like, I'm trying to get us all free. Listen. You know, uh, <laughs> it's not just about the children. It's not. You're so right. I, you know, on one of my previous podcasts, I someone spoke about um, how their child stood up for themselves at school and how they were penalized for it. And I told her, I was, you know, that's one of the things I think scares a lot of parents. I'm raising this child who is outspoken, right? Who can advocate for themselves, who I want to do that. I want them to question everything. I want them to advocate for themselves and yes. and um, stand up for themselves, all this stuff. But then you get into school where that's not allowed or where it's, like you said, the light is dimmed. And so it becomes very hard for the children to understand, apply this, this liberation. So we really do. We have to show up to school board meetings, right? We have to make sure we're showing up to the to elections and to polls because this these things, the larger parts of our community, the way it runs, really does affect how our children are, are taught in schools. Um, how they're seen on the streets. And so we really do have to think about more than just the kids. You're right. We have to incorporate the whole community into it. Yeah. So- it's like um, seeing parenting as a, a place of, of movement building or a place of resistance or a place of activism, right? Um, like, yeah, parents have a lot of voice and agency and power at schools, at the school board. Um, we're the folks who who vote. We're, it's our taxes, right? So we have a lot of power to leverage. And so I do spend a lot of time like organizing um, in my son's school or with his teacher or with the principal because, you know, he will be outspoken. He will ask questions. He is going to be curious about why you're showing this and not that. He, you know, and I'm going to have those questions. And so um, how do we show up to support our children to in to ensure, even though we can't necessarily ensure, but how do we advocate for um, the conditions that they need to continue to be liberated in all spaces? How do we make those spaces a space of also liberation? How do we make schools a place mm-hmm. of liberation? How do we make our faith-based institutions places of liberation? Because those are some of the places that yes. young people are told that they're supposed to be quiet and be seen and not heard. And, you know, there's not a lot of agency um, in a lot of places that we take our children to. And so how do we make sure that those spaces we also come liberated. Well, let me ask you this. What advice would you give someone who is on this journey and is, um, we talk about the white gaze a lot, but the but there's a gaze within our community that's hard for us to deal with at times. We feel judged by it. We feel attacked when our, when our parenting is questioned because our kids are liberated and they're seen as wild or bad. But what advice would you give someone who is constantly struggling with uh, the people in their community and in their homes who always have something to say about this uh, parenting journey. Yeah. I mean, I think oof, that definitely resonates um, in terms of like stories that I've heard and some um, shared experience about, you know, folks, my child is definitely more active. And so what would I say? What advice? I would say, find out who your people are, right? Cause there are definitely folks who who probably are looking at you not with the side eye, but are looking at you with the eye of like support, like, girl, I know what you're going through, right? Like find your people. Um, And then I would say it does take that liberation, right? For the parent, because, you know, we can at times just fall in line with like the respectability politics about what it means to be a a excellent uh, black Negro. Um, like that ideology around like we have to be quiet and proper and all of those things to like fit in to be more palatable to whiteness. And I feel like this, you know, there's a resurgence of like black is beautiful, loving our natural hair, like being unapologetically black and not trying to fit into, um, you know, stereotypical like white ways of performing blackness. Um, and so 
I would say find your people and how do you also make sure that you can stand more fully in your power and be unapologetic about how you're raising your children or what what kind of children you want to raise. Also, I feel like the other option is if you're in places that don't serve you, that you don't have to be in, then you can make choices as well. And I think that last sentence is is all the advice, right? Because if where you are in the moment is causing harm and it's in complete opposite of sort of what you're teaching your child about about liberation, then you may want to reconsider those spaces. And sometimes that's hard because it's familial spaces. You may need to step outside your comfort zone to explore other places and other spaces in order to find your people. Um, and that's scary sometimes. In some instances, it's really necessary. I've kind of gotten to a place in my life, I think it's because I just turned 40, where I just don't care about, you know, if someone's staring at me because she's screaming in the in the supermarket, I start screaming with her, <laughs> okay? Because she's a she's two. We don't go to the store no more because Rona, but you know what I'm saying? She's two and she's going to make noise. I don't expect her to not be a, herself for other people. We have to really stop putting on shows for other people and be more concerned about our children. Okay, we talked about the first and third parts of your book. What is the middle? What is the, the second part? So the second part is about reconnecting to, to our children or our child. Um, and that's really uh, the interpersonal relationship strategies for like how to actually practice some liberation. All of them are like strategies about practice and liberation in your relationship with your children. But this one is like very specific because it's like the conversations that folks want to have with their children. Like how do I talk to my child about sex? How do I talk Mm. to my child about racism? Um, How do I talk to my child about, uh, you know, police brutality and right. So it's really about, Oh, you want to be in these conversations. You want to shift the way that you're in relationship to your child. Here are some strategies um, and stories for that. So the three parts, just to kind of wrap it up, because I did, we did, you know, we did do it out of order. (laughs) But that's also how the book is, to be honest, like, it's one of those books that you can like, pick a story based on what you're um, going through in the moment, or what you care about, or what you're interested in, like, you don't have, it's not like you have to do sections one, two, three, in order, it definitely is a book that you can use in the way that fits you, right? It's not cookie cutter. Um, but section one is reconnection to self. Section two is reconnection to children or child. And section three is reconnection to community. Um, mm. And really seeing that as a potential pathway for us to to be in a liberated stance in our parenting. I mean, I feel like those definitely are the foundations of liberated and decolonized parenting. I mean, really connecting with yourself when it comes to decolonizing and liberation are, are sort of the same thing, connecting with your children, because we have to look at, um, the parts of our minds that are colonized, the parts that are, of our minds that um, feel like you said we have to perform perform a certain type of blackness for whiteness, and so it all goes together. And it's also important. I'm really excited to dive in because I have been looking for more books to add to the collection of parenting books. I, when I first started my conscious parenting journey, I was like, I'm going to buy all the books, and I was like, This is where are the where's all the black you like, that's it. <laughs> Where are they? It's like when we go buy hair products. Listen, that little section. Okay, that little section. Um, exactly. So I was, I was so excited when you came out with your book and I'm so happy and, and very proud of you. And, and I, and I hope that um, we have, we can see more books from you soon. I, I, that's no pressure, mm-hmm. girl. No <laughs> pressure, but I have been, I have been telling people like disclaimer, my son, I mean, I have a, a teenage daughter, um, 
a bonus daughter. Mm-hmm. And my son is like who I've been on this journey with since, you know, birth. And I'm like, he's only 10 when I wrote, when I finished uh. the book. Right. So I'm like, oh yeah, there's definitely like this whole teenage liberation Ooh. is just interesting. He's, he's, a, he's 11. He's going into the tween phase. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it's different. He liberated now. And mm. That means, and then he's also going to be like becoming a teenager and ideate, um, individuating and want to do his own thing. And I'm like, Ooh, how does liberation flow when you're a teenager, when you want to be super independent from your parents? So I imagine there might be a (laughs) 2.0. I think people are going to want that. I don't know what I'm doing y'all. So that all that liberation stuff, I don't know how to do with a teenager. So I'm going to (laughs) be interviewing a lot of teenage parents (laughs) soon. Um, to help me on that journey. So it might be a 2.0 <laughs> with the teenage version. Listen, thank you. Cause I'll have it in time for when Gia is, uh, is a teenager. Cause I really <laughs> don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's when it comes to the, the relationship we have with our children is so, I tell people all the time, we're re, we have to rediscover it constantly, right? It changes because they're changing and then we're changing. And so it's like getting to know them all the time, getting to know their different uh, you know, when, when their differences, when their differences, when, when the things that they love change, um, getting to know their friends, that changes. It's just a constant, especially as I get older into the teen years and they start pulling away from you. I'm noticing that with my niece, she's pulling away from us. And in some instances, you know, you let them go, but then you're like, wait, don't go too far now. So it was like, what is that middle ground? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> you know. I When she comes over, I let her sit in the room and she just wants to be left alone. I leave her alone. I know I want to be left alone at 13. So I leave her alone. And then my other sister's like, well, you need to go in there and check on her and make sure she's not doing this and that. And I'm just like, I do. I just, I'm just not in her business. I don't know. Maybe that's some auntie stuff. I don't know. But no, I mean, it's similar. Teenagers, they definitely want to, in, you know, be independent and individuate and um, separate from their parents because they're trying to come up with their own identity. Yeah. They're trying to identify what's their peer group. So yeah, I'm going to be in that soon. I could feel it already coming. <laughs> I wanted to also ask you about your own journey, like w- why it started. And did you start from the big, like, you know, did you start when you were pregnant or did it was something that you transitioned into? No, I didn't start when I was pregnant. I, I say um, I was pushed here because my heart and spirit were unsettled about the way that I was parenting. Mm. Um, I've always been a social justice activist in some shape or form as, as my career path. Um, and the place that I was doing my work before I became pregnant was in youth violence prevention. Um, so I was a youth organizer, youth educator, and did a lot of youth development work with young people about young people's rights, um, bodily autonomy, their voice, their agency, their power. And I was encouraging a lot of adults. I was an adult ally for young people, encouraging other adults to check our adultism um, to really support and uplift and listen to the voices of young people. Mm -hmm. So that was my job. And then I became a parent and I was not practicing those values. I was not listening to my child's voice. I was not encouraging his agency. I was, and I was so confused about why I wasn't, you know, I definitely was like intending to be a nonviolent parent. I had, you know, done all of that work around violence prevention, but I was still like raising my voice and being dominant 
and I couldn't understand why. And so it took me reflecting on what was triggering me all the time. And I realized it was rooted in all of my fear about what it meant to raise a black boy. Also around the time of Trayvon Martin's um, murder and, and Tamir Rice. And then, you know, the story of Emmett Till. And I, when I look at these little baby boys faces and I look at the picture of my son, I'm like, Oh my God, like they look so much alike. And I remember when a Barack Obama said that Trayvon Martin, if he had a son, Trayvon Martin would look like his son, you know, like mm-hmm. that. And so that resonated so deeply and it became clearer to me that I was parenting from fear because of all of that violence that was happening, that I was thinking that I was trying to protect my son, but I really wasn't. I was actually causing more harm because I was dwindling away his sense of self and confidence. I could see that starting to dwindle or fade or dim. And it was because of me saying, oh, you can't do that because it's not safe or don't do this or, you know, that's not, that's, that, that can get you in trouble. You know, I was really policing him. Um, and so I made a commitment to, to stop saying no to him, to start saying yes, that things were possible for him. Mm. Um, and so in that, I was like, I'm going to commit to practicing all those values around youth voice, youth power, youth agency around my path and work around liberation. I said, I need to do that at home. How do I practice liberation in my home? How do I practice liberation in my parenting? And so that was the commitment. I was at some work conference or convening and they're like, what could you do? What do you need to say yes to? And I was like, I need to say yes to my son. And like, what is a transition you need to make in your life or in your work? And I was like, I need to transition from fear to liberation. Ooh. And so parental liberation was birthed out of, um, it, it didn't happen from like, you know, from when I was pregnant, I made this conscious decision. I knew my values needed to be operationalized in my parenting, but it didn't start that way. That is such a powerful story. And I think it will resonate with so many people because it's so scary. You know, when we parent, um, even the parents that still, you know, whip their kids, a lot of it is out of fear, trying to control the behaviors and trying to, you know, get them under control so they're not going out in this world and attracting the wrong attention to themselves or in the streets and that kind of thing. And this fear, uh, trying to parent, parenting from a place of fear can be really, really detrimental to our children and to ourselves. Because once you start looking at yourself, you start to feel all this guilt and this shame and nothing good comes from that either. And, you know, it is, I don't have a, I have a little girl. Um, it's just as scary. For it's just as scary. Girls. It's just, you know, we're, for me, right now we're still ahead. talking about Breonna Taylor. Yes. The people who killed her have not been arrested. The police exactly. have not been arrested. So it's not it's only still, boys. It's also girls. But a, a layer to that is the the misogyny and the sexism that I see. And and that is really scary for me to, you know, um, there was, I think it was the week that Breonna Taylor got, um, was, was murdered um, or around that where some, four, it was like four incidents of, of black women being attacked. Somebody getting hit in the face with a skateboard, someone being thrown in a trash can. And these are by black men. And it just, it just broke my heart. Cause I was just like, wow, I have, I have a daughter that I need to protect. How do I do that? How do I protect her from sexism and racism? I don't know. I don't know. And so that's a struggle that I'm constantly having to make sure I'm not parenting from that place of fear because that I think about this sometimes and it scares the shit out of me. And I'm, and I'm like, I don't know how to even, I don't even know if I can, you know? So that's why I'm really passionate about this podcast and doing this work. Cause I'm hoping that um, as I, as I speak to you and other people 
that we are helping to change people's minds in the community at large, which will help my daughter, you know, because I know I can't do it personally. And so it's, I look at these babies too, because Tamir Rice actually, um, he hit me the hardest. I'm not sure why. I don't know. I don't know why he hit me the hardest, but every time I see his face, I, I get really emotional. Thinking of what's going on right now and with the uprising, we have so many children involved in it and so many parents involved in it. And I, I had to go on there onto my page and tell, tell these parents, I'm like, you know, we're out here in these streets and we're marching for liberation. We got to make sure our minds and our homes are liberated too. We have to make sure we're not coming off the streets from protesting to to coming home to oppress our children out of fear, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I, I really, um, I'm so thankful you had that revelation because the work you're doing is so, so important. There's so many people who can identify with that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, what, how does, how did you, did you speak to your son when you were making that transition or did he notice, has he said anything to you about it? Yeah. Um, he talks about, before parenting for liberation sometimes um he'd be like oh that was before you know you Mm. did that remember you did that thing to me before and i'm all like yeah so i feel like he noticed the transition um and i'm very like conversational with my son Mm -hmm. um and my daughter like i'm very conversational with them like let's talk about it like come on let's sit down and (laughs) talk about it they're probably like oh my god she's gonna talk our head (laughs) off never talk never Um, talk they're like oh my goodness we're (laughs) done talking we okay we agree um, but we sat down and we created um, in that transition was shifting from house rules or family rules to family agreements. And that's mm-hmm. one of the practices in the book as well, um, which is really about them being able to contribute to like, what are the ways that we want to be in this house together? What are the ways of being? What are the practices we want to commit to? And so in that they put on there things that I needed to commit to, like checking when I'm getting frustrated or agitated, like how do I respond? Um, because they say like, you're always getting frustrated. And I'm like, Oh, do I have a short temper? Like, what do I need to do? What are the practices I need to engage in Mm -hmm. to, um, to calm myself when I'm feeling agitated, um, or frustrated or check, check what, what is triggering me in that moment. Right. And so, um, a part of that was that we can create agreements and that we can hold each other accountable, meaning that my children can also hold me accountable, um, when I don't practice the agreements. Right. Um, it's powerful. And so, so yeah, those things became clear. Like it became clear for them. Like, Oh yeah, there's a shift here. Right. In this space, we have voice. We can call our mother in and be like, Hey, so my son loves to ask me in moments of when I'm, um, exhibiting, you know, non-liberated behavior. He loves to be like, is this liberation? Listen, <laughs> is this parenting for liberation? No, he didn't. But he'd be like, Ooh, with the, with the, like, are you sure this is liberation right now? You yelling? Is this liberation? I'd be like, oh. Okay. I'd be like, yeah. um, you right. Okay, what can you say? I need to watch my tone. <laughs> what can you say? I'd be like, say? no, it's not liberation. Right? <laughs> and then it's like, well, what is the but? There's no but. And then here I am. I would like to count for raising my voice. It was not acceptable. I should not talk to you that way. Yes. You did not deserve that behavior. You know, like, humble myself and I feel like that has been you know that's been the work because like you said it like we said earlier it's a journey like we're not experts we're not perfect no. I know I'm not I know I'm not um oh and in this COVID where we're stuck in the house together with each other forever <laughs> um 
you know, it's definitely a lot of like, okay, today was not a good day. You know, yeah. let's try again tomorrow. I'm not even going to lie before, before this interview, before we came on, I was typing you a message like we need to postpone because my mind was not right. I was annoyed. She was doing stuff that was so annoying for me. And, and it seemed like she kept doing it, but it was just because I was already annoyed that everything she did was, was like triggering me. And it, she wasn't even doing anything. The girl's too. Okay. She, right. She's like doing things that two-year-olds do, like chewing on things that I, I hate for her to chew on and digging in the cracks of the walls and stuff, just doing weird stuff. And I, I don't know if I was hungry or if I needed a nap, but going through the, the list of, in my mind, like you're having a tantrum right now. Um, you need to stop and figure out what you need for yourself. And so I had to realize, I realized I hadn't eaten so, and mm-hmm. I hadn't drank any water in a few, mm-hmm. in like an hour. So I had to um, gobble down something to eat and drink some water and she needed her nap. So she was starting to, you know, her whining was starting to like irk me. So I was just like, you know, when you take the time and you stop that power of the pause, I always say it, when you pause and be like, what do, what do I need and what need is she trying to get met? You know, it really does help to deescalate the situation. But let me tell you, that doesn't happen all the time. There's times where I know I'm, I'm wrong and I keep going because I'm just like, I'm committed to this wrongness in this moment. And then I'm just, just like, okay, girl. It. It's like right? you get in the spiral. In the spiral, a wrong spiral. And so, you know, she's two, but I still, you know, I'll look at her and just be like, listen, I'm sorry. I should not have done that. And I do the same thing. And, I, and she's, she doesn't speak yet. So she's just looking at me smiling, but I want to get in the habit of making sure that I apologize when I, when I'm wrong and when I know I've hurt her. And so I love the idea of, you know, family agreements. How are we going to communicate with each other? How are we going to deescalate conflict? And I think it's so important to have your kids involved in that because you're teaching them like this, this is how they're going to end up running their homes eventually. Right? So when we, it, it's it's more than just here are the rules. Follow these rules. These rules of my house. It's like there it's their house too, and we have to start seeing our children as people hate when I say this, but as equals because they may not be have the same age and the same experience, but they're still people and they still have rights. And she's right. still equal to me as far as the rights that she has as a human being in this world. And so I don't get to just do whatever I want because I have the power of parenting. Like that's not fair. So just you know, allowing them to have say in the things mm-hmm. that go on in the household is so important because they imagine what that feels. Well, I know what it feels like because I know what it feels like to not have a say, you know, and to feel like all you're getting, all you're getting is told what to do. There's no, there's no asking, you know, there's no collaboration. It's just control that wears on you after a while. And then you start to wonder, I had to tell someone in a group, I was like, your behavior is triggering the behavior in your child that's triggering you. And she was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah. So you're doing things that make her upset. So she does something, right, that triggers you in response. And then you're triggered by that. You need to check yourself. Because it may be that once you stop being a control freak, that your child stops the behavior that, that they're exhibiting. And so you're no longer triggered. Yeah, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Me and my son have come to the, like, I was like, oh, we're so much alike that we're going to get on each other's nerves, right? And, um, you know, like, the, it's the things about me that I see in him that drive me the cra- that drive me most crazy, yeah. right? Um, They're mares. I'm very, I'm very debate 
oriented. Like I'm very, I have an opinion about things. And I <laughs> believe my opinions are right. And I feel like they should be communicated because they're just so brilliant, you know, right. uh, <laughs> being facetious. But my son is the same way. Like right. it doesn't even matter if it does not even um, connect to what we're talking about. He just has to have something to say. Like he's like, but what about this? And I'm all like, how is that related to this debate that we're having? Like, because mm-hmm. it always ends up being a debate. Well, I said this. Well, you said this. Well, what about this? I'm like, how is that related? But it's like, he just has to say something. And I just crack up because that was me as a kid. And I got in trouble a lot. You know, I got backhanded and all that mm-hmm. because my mouth was on fire. Um, and for me and him, I'm just like, oh, you are my child. You are, you are me. And so, right. <laughs> and so I you know, it's like, how do I just be with that and not be like, oh my God, it, it irks me. It, you know, it does. And it's like, I told him, I was like, I have to shift my behavior. I have to, I have to stop always having something to say. Cause then I have to model a different way of communicating so that you can realize that you don't always have to have something to say or debate. Mm. Um, and I'm not trying to say that he shouldn't have voice. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely. Yeah, but I know what you're saying. But it's yeah. like, I have to stop, you know, doing tit for tat. So then he'll stop doing tit for tat. Right. But instead of just telling him, like, why do you keep doing that? But I keep doing it. So anyways, we we have to model different behavior because our children definitely mirror us. So. Well, for the for the transitioning parent, which I feel like most people are, um, what three things do you how can they start? You can give them three practical ways to start to shift their mindset towards a more liberated way of parenting? Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely reflecting on their own childhood and their own parent, the way that they were parented um, and reflect on like, how did they feel as a child? Like, did they feel seen, heard, valued? Um, did they feel like they had agency? If so, what are those practices from their parents is do they want to continue? Um, if they didn't feel that way, what are the practices of their parents um, that they don't want to continue, right? Um, so first is like reflecting on your own past. Um, the second one is to be in relationship with your child, right? So I would ask if you feel comfortable, like start talking to your child about like, well, what are some of the things that that I do that cause harm? Or what are some of the things that you need from me? Or, um, you know, like what kind of agreements should we make in our household if we shift from rules to agreements? I think like really being in those conversations with our children and listening to them. Right. Not saying I know the answer. Here's what it is, which is really being in a a, a, a learning stance from our children um, and figuring out what can you try in your house. And it might be really small. Like what we're going to try is um, that I'm going to pause. You know, you talked about the power of the pause. Like maybe that's the one practice you can start trying with your children is the power of the pause. Like I'm going to reflect and realize that I'm agitated or hungry or tired, you know. Um, so that's the second one. And I guess the third one would be like finding your people. So listening to podcasts like yours, um, finding tools, finding just one, even if it's just one other parent who is trying this too, to be like accountable, like to have a, a buddy in this, to be like, oh, I did this wrong today. And to be affirmed to be like, girl, it's good. You know, we all mess up and keep it going. You know, um, who's your person or people that can, can, can lift you up, but also hold you accountable that you can check in with about your practice and transition. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Black parent listening to this and you are looking for some people who are also practicing conscious parenting, conscious liberated parenting, yeah, feel free to join the our Facebook group, uh, my Facebook group, Conscious Parenting for the Culture, because we, you know, as I tell folks all the time, 
um, you will be held accountable in a loving way. Like if you come on there and you're, you're going off and you're frustrated and you want us to agree with the way that you did something that's completely not in a conscious way, we're going to tell you. And so, and I think people need that. And of course there's folks who feel, um, cause sometimes feel attacked by that, but I always push back even on that. And I'm just like, why do you feel that? Why do you feel that being held accountable is, is, is akin to being attacked? It's not. It's, it's different. That's, that's guilt and shame talking. So we kind of like help them work through that stuff too. And I think it's really important to have a community um, when you're trying to do this, especially if there are people in your life who aren't on board. Because you're going mm-hmm. to get all, those, all that noise and it's going to help, especially when things get really rough. You got the child who's not listening. You got the child who is... Um, who is sort of challenging you right now when you're transitioning, you'll notice, I don't know if you went through this, Trina, but I know a lot of parents when they're transitioning, they notice that their children's behavior sometimes feels like it's getting worse. And, and I tell them, I'm like, they don't trust you yet. So you're going to have to show them that this you're in it for the long run and you're going to have to be consistent um, as you can, right? We're all going to mess like they're up. Testing, they're testing. They'll be like, are you, are you yeah. really liberated? Like my son, is this liberation? Yeah. <laughs> they will. They'll kind of poke at you a little bit and they, and it's for self-protection. They're not doing it to piss you off. They're doing it to see how safe they are because every time we act in an unconscious manner, um, it's harmful to them. And it, and it does like, it, it makes them feel unsafe at home. And so they want to know what do I, what do I have to do to get her to go back to, you know, how far can I take this? So you're going to, ha- it, it, it's hard. Then you got someone watching you, someone who doesn't believe in this type of parenting and they're chiming in on that. It's very difficult sometimes. So please, right. yes. Whether it's the my group. Yeah. The naysayers who will, all you got to do is, and it's just I, like, okay. It's like, that didn't work. That doesn't work. If it worked, I wouldn't be talking about doing something completely different, you know? Um, and so it's very, it's very important to find uh, a podcast, you know, uh, a group, a course, something that makes, that helps you work through this as you're transitioning. Um, so to wrap up here, I am going to be giving away three of Trina's books. Um, I think I'm just going to post uh, post something on my Facebook page for you guys to uh, to comment on. I really believe that these that this is going to change you guys' parenting. So even if you don't win a book, I'm gonna need for y'all to go out and buy it. So Trina, where can they find your book and how can they connect with you? Yes. Um, so the book is available um, on all places where you buy books online. Um, also available at the publisher, which is Feminist Press, um, a feminist frame press. So if you want to support a woman-owned, woman-run um, press, you can definitely purchase it there. Um, again, that's feministpress.org is the website. Um, the links to all of the places to buy the book are available at parentingforliberation.org backslash book. Um, it'll have the links to, you know, the likes of Barnes and Nobles or Amazon or Feminist Press, but i um, really encouraging folks to purchase from a black owned bookstore. If you know one or a um, woman owned bookstore, just some small yes. independent bookstores, because right now with COVID and also just the way that the, you know, the 
the book industry is. We really want to make sure that those small bookstores stay afloat and stay open. So if you can support those in your community, do that. Thank you for that advice because that's where I'll purchase my three books from um, the Feminist Press website. To wrap up here, what to you is decolonizing parenting? What does that mean to you? Decolonized parenting is doing the work to decolonize our own minds, our own spirits, our own parenting um, relationship with ourselves, but also our relationship with our children. I really think of it as interrupting intergenerational trauma, historical trauma um, that is rooted in, for us as Black folks, chattel slavery in the United States interrupting that, healing from that so that we can raise our children to be free, um, free from those shackles mentally, physically, emotionally. Well, thank you so much, Trina. Thank you for all the work that you do for your podcast, which I'll I'll make sure all these is linked um, so you guys can follow along. She is doing amazing work in the community at large, but especially within the Black parenting community. And I just want to thank you for being part of this podcast and for your wisdom. I really appreciate all that you do. Thank you so much. It's so good to have a fellow Black parent podcaster um, in the mix. So thank you so much for the work you do. And um, I look forward to collaborating more with Decolonize Parenting. Yes, we're going to do this thing, girl. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting for Liberation. I hope that something shared on this episode helps you on your journey to liberated parenting. To learn more about our other episodes, check out our website at www.parentingforliberation.org backslash podcast. Please like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you give us a good review. Wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed. No more back with thinking, time for thinking ahead.